You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Fear not that apprehension you have when you open the Tournament Challenge app to realize that your bracket stinks is what we're all feeling today. Tournament upsets are everywhere. It's been incredible, and we're just getting rolling. It's Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. We'll have a bunch of guests for you tonight on the Goodyear Hotline. And, Sarah, we start, obviously, with the weekend. Uh, you know, it, it, we uh, the last time we talked, the question was, would it feel normal? How would it feel as we uh, began the tournament? And there was something magic about Friday and seeing all the games happen and over the course of the weekend. And today I just realized it really hits home that, yet again, for the umpteenth year in a row, I obviously know, know nothing about who's going to win any of these games. <laughs> you just got to let it flow over you, man. The problem is expectations. As they say in Ted Lasso, and then he later corrects them, incorrectly everyone else on the show is right they say it's the hope that kills you I had no hope this year I knew I was not gonna do well in the brackets and I welcome in and I'm totally fine with the upsets because I don't worry about whether or not it means I'm going to finish in the middle instead of closer to the bottom I never really have a good shot at it. the women's bracket last year I think I remember right up until the very end being super in the mix and I did win did did win my men's bracket a couple years ago at ESPN 1000, but almost every other year, it's just the same exercise in futility, and I'm okay with that now. Well, I mean, realistically, I, I felt like the women's side I had a chance. I'd just go chalk and you'll be fine. That hasn't been the case even it as we've started seen out that way. today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For a minute, it felt like that was going to be the way it works out, but uh, that does not seem to be the case today. One big upset, a little Nashville bias here, I'll tell you. Belmont uh, beats Gonzaga, so that's a 12 over a 5 and an unexpected outcome uh, there. And we also had BYU, an 11, beating Rutgers, a 6. So even the women's side has gotten in on the upset fun across the board. And And you're right. There's a, a part of it that I think is expectations. I also watch so much of what we've seen over the last few days. And, you know, it sort of reminds you, in my mind, of some of the best of what March Madness has to offer. Yes, we always hear that what we want at the end in the Final Four Blue Bloods ratings show that. But early on, everybody loves uh, uh, upsets. Well, it feels like this particular year, every single game I'm watching because you just don't know. I mean, for Oral Roberts to go out and beat Ohio State, for Illinois to lose uh, at this point, like it's reminded me that my love of the Big Ten, I thought they were going to be the power conference coming in. Oops, I was wrong about that as well. Yeah, the Big Ten, uh, it's always a debate as to whether it's the most competitive amongst each other or actually competitive when compared to other conferences. And this year that was answered pretty quick, unfortunately, for all the Big Ten schools. Uh, to your point, I think this year is the year to be okay with more Cinderella's and less Blue Buds. There are Blue Bloods that aren't even in the tournament. We have a March Madness without Duke. So the idea that we might have some more of those lesser-known teams making it deeper, I'm actually okay with that this year. I'm not going to miss the big names if we end up having a really cool story like a Loyola in the Final Four again. Um, and we're going to get to uh, get to know your Cinderella's because there are some very interesting facts about Oral Roberts that most of you probably don't know. We will get to that. But I, I also think the unprecedented nature of this season and this year has led to us being in a position where not only do we have unlikely folks continuing to advance, but exactly what we had talked about, worst case scenario for a team, which is a whole team missing the tournament because of COVID and missing it after that 48-hour window so that the Oregon Ducks just get to cruise along with a first-round bye in March Madness. That's wild. Yeah, I, that was one of the, the things, you know, coming into today, trying to figure out rest or rust for, for them, and then they come in and they look absolutely 
quick and they look fast and Iowa looks slow. One, I don't never want to oversimplify what we're seeing. Sarah Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, but it really has felt like throughout the course of this tournament early on, the team that is more aggressive early, the team that has more hops, like the faster team is winning a lot of these games. Like it's just in early in the first seven games, five of those feature to come back from double digit deficits. And when I talked to some of the guys and some of our analysts about it on Friday, the comment was, well, it's taking some of these bigger name teams a second to get their feet under them. And then they're just fine. But I don't know that it's that simple. It feels like the message of anybody has a chance isn't always true, but this year it feels like it is particularly. So whatever that, that sort of fear when you get off the bus of, Oh my God, we're playing this team. Can we really win? win it I don't think that exists this year when you take that little x factor away that does even some of the playing field you see from smaller schools and bigger schools so you know you asked the question last week smartly was this thing going to go massively chalk or was it going to be massively chaos I think we have that answer yeah it feels more chaotic and to your point uh for in particular that Ducks game right 56 points in the first half they absolutely came out hot it was more rest than rust and then you look at some of the other teams that have a very specific style that it's hard to prepare for and in a year where things are a little bit different maybe that becomes even more important is what have you had time to work on how have you carried over your prep game to game to work on a variety of things versus just trying to get to the game and get through it um our kevin winter just sent us a, a great email with um some stats on what you pointed to which is the chaos of it all. The 10 teams that have already clinched a berth in the Sweet 16 have an average seed of 6.5, the record for the lowest average seed of a Sweet 16 field since the field expanded in 18, uh, 1985 is 5.6. So put another way, the sum of the seeds in 86 was 89. So even if all the favorites win the rest of tonight's game, the sum of the seeds of this year's field will be 91. So, so close to being the lowest ever and certainly the lowest since the field expanded in 85. I feel like, Sarah, when you say that, that to me keeps everything more exciting for the duration of the run. Like I said, I mean, I know that the ratings in the past have shown that everybody wants blue bloods at the end. But if we get total chaos, right, if we're getting all of these different teams throughout this process now, Gonzaga, obviously, uh, they they had an easy win today uh, over Oklahoma, you know, so maybe we can argue that a couple of the teams will separate themselves. But I don't know. I feel like this sort of chaos with these sorts of brands and when you're getting all of these different teams involved in it, to me, it makes it more exciting right now. Like, I, I feel more compelled to watch a game that in previous years I may not have been as excited about because the outcome feels like it is so mucky to try and figure out. Well, and especially so, Fitz, and it's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz on ESPN Radio, because we didn't have the the Zion Williamson, right? We didn't have the superstar that we were all determined to watch every second of this year. And because of that, I don't feel like I'll miss out if any team gets bounced. I won't feel like, oh, I wanted to see more of that talent. I would feel that way on the women's side. Uh, you know, if UConn got bounced and upset, I'd be bummed not to get to see more of Paige Beckers. Um, I would want to be seeing as much Aaliyah Boston as possible, right? So I want I want South Carolina and the Gamecocks to keep going. There are certain players on the women's side that I want to see more of. On the men's side, eh. I mean, now there are. Now there are these guys that you're watching that have made it further than we expected that you want to see more of and get and, and say, well, I haven't by, why, not, why haven't I been watching all year? But not the usuals. And so I'm totally cool with the chaos. 
Well, and you make a great point because most were arguing that the must-watch player and the guy we were focusing on a lot as a network was Cade Cunningham from Oklahoma State. And Mm -hmm. what do you know? Oklahoma State is gone from the tournament. So you're right, though. That doesn't mean suddenly everybody says, eh, no, Cade, I'm not going to watch the rest of the thing. So it it feels like such a different year, which is a fitting way to bring this whole thing back because this is going to be maddening throughout the process, obviously. Now, you mentioned the upsets, and we want to make sure that you find out Everything you need to know about your Cinderella's ESPN Radio, by the way, presented by Progressive Insurance. You can save big when you bundle your auto, home, motorcycle, RV, or boat. Visit Progressive.com. Next up, we'll get you a little introduction to each Cinderella and tell you how the slipper fits or doesn't. We'll do it next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Fear not, Footloose has some meaning here. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. We can play Footloose whenever we want. There will be no apologies for Footloose and the dancing I am doing in my chair. Uh, by the way, Footloose, one of my absolute go-to karaoke jams, for sure. Oh, uh, a, yes. a constant cover for me. Yeah, this is, this is. Uh, you got to wear your tight it. undies, though. Like, I can, it, get, oh, yeah. You got Spring some. Bringing your step. Woo! And, and you know, got, got, got some big Kick notes up there. Kick up your Sunday end. shoes. But, you know, it's, it's a good one. Uh, the college basketball season has reached tournament time, and that means Wendy's Wooden Watch has announced the final ballot. Go to ESPN.com and search Wooden Watch for the list of Wooden Award nominees, the John R. Wooden Award presented by Wendy's. All right, so we want to get you introduced to your Cinderella's at this point, some of the teams that are out there. And, Sarah, Footloose was important here because it ties directly into the big Cinderella we're all talking about, Oral Roberts, who did the unthinkable when they upset Ohio State. But just if you thought that was cute and it was going to end, no, they went out there and they beat a solid Florida team as well. So they have advanced to the Sweet 16, and everybody's turning around saying, who's Oral Roberts and what do I need to know about him? Well, what you need to know and why Footloose is important is because they shouldn't even be in the big dance. Yes, this team shouldn't go dancing because technically the handbook for the school which is just 2,800 undergrads, prohibits social dancing on campus. It is a Christian school. It has a landmark of 60-foot-high pair of praying hands on campus, and you are not allowed to dance at this school. This is one of many things in the handbook that feels like it came straight out of Footloose. It feels like John Lithgow should be running things over on the campus there, You can't hike. You can't dance. You can't be a homosexual, according to this. That's the specific language. No sexual promiscuity, including adultery, any homosexual behavior or premarital sex, no drunkenness, immodesty of dress or occult practices, no theft, lying, dishonesty, gossip, slander, backbiting, profanity, vulgarity, including crude language. And these are all banned for the university community. Now, listen. This is all problematic to me in a number of ways, but it's especially problematic when the name of your school is Oral Roberts. How are we supposed to get these jokes off? (laughs) And I said that very specifically. If we can't even use curse words, you can't put these thoughts into people's minds and then expect us to behave like good Christian kiddos. It feels like we've taken a blast back, like into a different yeah. era. With but that feels sort of synonymous with the way the tourney's going. Like I, the amount of 
Shaggy hair, porn star, mustache, basketball players I've seen in the last few weeks. I had no idea this would become a phenomenon again. But, like, the lettuce game is strong, but the, the facial hair is really weird. It's already creeping me out throughout the course of this, like, every single team. So to hear that we've – like, I feel like we've gone way back in time. And we're at this, like, 70s right. sort of era where – Half the people are living one way and uh, one school's not. You know, kudos to I, them, I have I a guess. couple more fun facts about okay, Oral Roberts, please. by the way. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, the official university uh, stance is to not sponsor activities that may endanger the lives of students. So high-risk acti- activities like canoeing hmm. or hiking hmm. are prohibited. <laughs> no river rafting, water skiing, rock climbing, cliff diving, hang gliding, bungee jumping, spelunking, or mountain climbing. Uh, you're also not allowed to engage, as I mentioned, in social dancing. So a lot of people told me in my mentees today that there would be off-campus parties that would be listed as tea, and that actually meant that people could go get the grind on. Also, no skateboarding, roller hmm. skates, rollerblades, scooters, water balloons, or devices to project water balloons. Very specific under the horseplay segment of the handbook. Um And then finally, I just want to read a a small little portion of this story from 1987 that our our colleague Bamani Jones shared about the man who founded this university. Oral Roberts based a fundraising campaign in 1980 on a vision of a 900-foot-tall Jesus. Four years later, the evangelist, uh, evangelist's ministry asked for donations while offering a seven-inch tall replica of an angel that Robert said visited him. And this year, as his following drops off his City of Faith Medical Center, unable to fill its beds, and the university named after him struggling, Roberts told viewers he will die in March unless he raises $4.5 million for medical missionary scholarships. A spokeswoman says the ev- evangelist means what he says and that his supporters have no reason to question his me- methods. He said God gave him the ultimatum in March, warning that he had to raise a total of $8 million or I'm going to call you home in one year. Uh, This is part of a longer story about the many ways that he interacted with his followers, including uh, claims of of interactions with God and angels. Um, And one of my favorite lines is, Roberts rarely grants interviews and has been out of state since he reported his conversation with God. Um, So unable to be, be, uh, I, I think I would make myself available to interviews uh, had I just uh, been in a parlance with the Almighty, uh, but apparently he was quite busy. Uh, and uh, he lived, by the way, at least through the duration of his uh, fundraising efforts. I don't believe he still uh, uh, persists. Let, let, let's let's be abundantly clear about one thing, Sarah. If I ever talk to God directly and God says, can you keep a secret? I will tell him yes, him or her. <laughs> Uh, but then I will immediately go in full Desperate Housewives fashion to as many places as possible yeah. to talk about my 100%. conversation with God. I just want you to know that. Like, I I am usually very good at keeping things tight-lipped. I would not be that way about my one-on-one conversation with God. Also, uh, interesting to me with Oral Roberts, like, you hear all of those – like, that, it, genuinely – it's got to be they, the type of athlete that they're recruiting. It's got to make their recruiting very specific. It's yeah. got to make it difficult it's like in liberty. some ways. Yeah, it's it limited. Is. Yeah. You, so even more credit, they, by the way, will now take on an Arkansas team that a lot of people thought could be a sleeper going in to the tournament. But I'm going to learn one thing. I'm going to start to look at the schedule because one thing I did, Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz on ESPN Radio, uh, I didn't look at the schedule when I decided that Loyola Chicago wasn't going to be able to advance on a Sunday. See, that was a bad move by me. <laughs> like betting against Sister Jean and Loyola Chicago on a Sunday mm. Was a bad move. So I'm going to have to start to look and like line up Sabbaths with my betting practices moving forward because I'm not going against God on a Sunday. That's the valuable lesson I've learned from the second time now that we're watching Loyola Chicago take this uh, incredible uh, march that they're going on.
Yeah, you really should know that about Sister Jean is that she has a very tight relationship with the woman above and that her prayers are more like scouting reports. So it's <laughs> true. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like she's not just conversating with God pregame. She is letting God know exactly what she's looking for. And in the case of the Illini, she said, as we play the fighting Illini, we ask for special help to overcome this team and get a great win. We hope to score early and make our opponents nervous. We have a great opportunity to convert rebounds as this team makes about 50% of laps and 30% of its three points. Our defense can take care of that. That's a direct order to God right there. Like our defense will take care of that or you'll answer to me. And by the way, if I were speaking to God, as you mentioned before, not only would I sell the story to everyone, but I would also say, excuse me, I know this is already a great honor that you're speaking to me, but if you would allow for a tiny bit of evidence that this engagement occurred so that it would be more profitable for me and that I could spread <laughs> the message of your existence and your greatness, that would help because people are always doubting this. And I just feel like I need some tangible proof that you were here and we spoke. That's going to sell your story a little bit better, God. I just, I think the PR needs work. See, I just took profitable to mean like profit able. See what oh, I did there? Like, ah, like there we yes. go. We're, we're, it's taking a double double spin there. Like we can go around however we want with profitable on it. Now I've looked <laughs> at the schedule. Oregon State going to take on Loyola Chicago on Saturday. So maybe mm. maybe there's a little bit of a difference here. Uh, but this is I, for Loyola Chicago particularly. When I was uh, hosting the digital uh, game day preview show, I was talking to some of the guys around game day, and they told me that they did a feature with Sister Jean. Uh, on game day that turned out to be during the course of their year, the highest rated thing that they did all year. And it reminds you of the brand power that she has. And I think when you look at what she's doing now and coming back and being such a, again, such a, an incredible vocal piece of what we associate with the school through all of this, the school grows like this. This is the sort of thing when you've got another run like this, that can actually catapult the school for years to come to be able to turn into someday what Gonzaga was I, long reach. But let's remember, there was a day when Gonzaga was the unexpected tourney team. Yeah, we talked to Porter Moser on the show on Friday, and I do think that's going to be a big conversation. They signed him to a longer deal, but in the end, it's going to be what he wants. And if he thinks he can make them into a Gonzaga, does he stay? It's his hometown, yada, yada. Or does he say... There's some pretty big openings at some schools nearby, like Indiana or Marquette, that I want to go and use what I've done here to get that opportunity. That's going to be wholly up to him because he's going to have a lot of opportunities after he's doing this again. Yeah, you never know what feeds somebody's soul, but you know that he's going to have opportunity everywhere, and rightfully so, because it's really fun to watch what he's doing. All right, we'll keep you updated on all the action happening from the tournament over the course of the night. But coming up, big injuries, streaky rockets, and remembering a legend, we'll get some NBA quickies next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz Podcast. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz with you on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Don't forget to subscribe to the Spain and Fitz Podcast we sometimes have some fun pre-party or after-party digital-only content you can only get on the pod. And, of course, all the good show content in case you have to miss it. It's on the ESPN app, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, everywhere you get your pods. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Don't forget, the NBA is right here on ESPN Radio. You can tune in tomorrow night as Zion and the Pelicans host the Lakers, presented by Indeed. Coverage begins at 7 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN radio stations. Yeah, we've been talking so much tournament that... We've been ignoring some of the top stories in the NBA, so the best way to catch up on all those is, of course, with the little NBA quickies. That's right. 
We'll start with uh, a sad story <laughs> that Fitz is now laughing, uh, which the timing Sorry, isn't great. No, it's quite all right. I know it's always funny when the sexy voice guy says quickies. You um, said quickies, sexy voice guy said quickies. It was yeah. just, it, it was, it, it was, it, it hit me right. It hit me right. In there. the giggles. It was yeah. just for quickies Fitz and giggles. Just for Fitz and giggles. That's right. Okay. Um, yeah, but uh, I, I heard some, uh, some, uh, not heard. I, I saw some folks around the basketball world uh, sharing their memories of Elgin Baylor today, who passed away at 86, including Rachel Nichols, who had had him on the jump and posted video of how she was giddy and almost couldn't compose herself to create sentences uh, due to her excitement about having the incredible uh, former Lakers star and Clippers exec on the show there. And um, he spent decades as a as a front office guy in L.A. after his incredible career as a player there, um, a staple and uh, dying of natural causes at 86. Uh, Jerry West, Hall of Famer, was on Mason in Ireland out in L.A. 710 uh, and talked about some of the things he learned from the great Elgin Baylor. My first couple of years, you know, I was really backward, unbelievably shy. I didn't even know if I belonged in the NBA. <laughs> and it was it was almost like he took me under his wing. I felt like that he was watching over me. And uh, the times I shared with him are priceless. I love this person like a brother. We shared so many times after games together that players don't have a chance to do today. In the room, there might be five or six guys. Uh, Everyone had to go to school for four years. And I learned a lot of life lessons from him, to be honest with you, how to conduct yourself, never to seek the spotlight. Yeah, his integrity, uh, serving his country as a U.S. Army reservist, uh, who he was as a man outside of a basketball player is a big part of his legacy. But as a basketball player, one of just four players in history to average at least 25 points and 10 boards over his career, 11-time All-Star, 10-time All-NBA, and a bit overshadowed by Bill Russell because uh, he made eight NBA finals but never won a title, losing often to those Celtics and those great teams. So um, one of the greats, Fitz. Well, and I think also looking at his impact to the game afterwards, I think that's one thing that – you know, will be interesting to see in future generations because you hear so often right now the generation of players that are playing in the NBA that look at guys like Elgin and look at guys like Jerry West as uh, role models that can help them figure out how to navigate the league but also how to navigate life. Uh, It's one of the coolest things about NBA culture is that so many legends remain tied to the game and it seems like it happens at a much higher rate there than it does in, for example, the NFL. So it's it's an incredible thing to see the impact that guys have had on the game long after they've been around the game. I'm also curious to see how the current generation will rise up and eventually uh, take that same mantle for the next generation of players. Totally agreed. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're doing some NBA quickies. Let's get to the next one. Quickies. Uh, LeBron. That injury, now as we're hearing more information about it, likely to keep him out longer than initially expected and certainly exposing some deeper issues for the Lakers. Depending on who you're talking to, some think it could mean an entire flip of their approach to the trade deadline and the end of the season, and others think they will be able to level the ship and 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 make everything okay, even with both Anthony Davis and LeBron out for a stretch. Bill Oram was uh, on Pride Time on ESPN Radio. The athletic reporter had this to say about LeBron's injury. People are so accustomed to LeBron bouncing back from any possible ailment or malady that I'm not sure people have really processed what this could mean for the season because I actually think the panic level – you know, should probably be a little higher than it has been, at least what I've seen on social media or on my timeline, you know, where people think LeBron's going to miss a week or two and come back. And 
When you're dealing with a high ankle sprain, particularly an eversion sprain, meaning it's sprained the other way from the natural way, there's a lot of possibility of, of what could go wrong and how much damage could be there. So obviously the Lakers are, are hopeful that he comes back, you know, well before the playoffs and is able to get in some rhythm and, and build some momentum going into the postseason. But that's less than two months away. And, you know, this is an injury that at its worst could extend that long, if not beyond. So the Lakers have to be concerned about how far they can fall in the Western Conference standings. That's the part of it, Sari, that, that I think is a reason why it's not a huge concern. I don't really care where the Lakers fall in the standings. I think there is obviously concern anytime you see somebody as great as LeBron and you hear injury, right? There's going to be that concern to what it means. But even if it takes him out for the rest of the regular season, this is a team that's got to look at and say, who cares? Like, if they're the sixth seed, all we're going to talk about when they go into the playoffs is that now they've got a healthy LeBron and you you don't want to face him. Like, at the end of the day, as long as this team is able to put LeBron and AD on the court – in the playoffs, it doesn't matter what seed they are. It doesn't matter how they get there. At that point, they will still be, in my mind, the favorite and the dominant team because those two players are incredible. So the reason there's no panic isn't because of the injury. It's because I don't think that the actual consequence of the injury knocks them out of the playoffs. And as long as they make the playoffs to get a healthy LeBron, they're going to be just fine. I mostly agree with you. I mostly think that this like is that. a team that can bounce back from this kind of challenge more so than anyone else because – They looked so good when LeBron and Anthony Davis were in. They won it last year that even though they had different pieces and a different style this year from last year, it felt like they were still strong enough to pick back up when they get back together. The problem is the Nets. The Nets look really good. So that margin for error and the the potential that they will have to go through a longer and tougher path to get to the finals is is the part where I maybe differ in your opinion, because I do think you can't take for granted um, what that does to a team as they work their way towards a final series. Are they beaten up? Is it more physical? Um, you know, are they tired? Is any number of things, particularly with the Lakers team that, you know, has some pretty glaring weaknesses that are just covered up by LeBron. So if he's not 100%, if he's slow to come back and isn't himself even when he does return, if that's right up against when the playoffs begin and he's got some time to 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 find his way back, you never know. You never know what could happen. I don't know if we could take it as 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 much for granted with him at the age that he's at and with the Lakers having moved so much toward power instead of finesse. They don't have three-point shooters. They don't have um, a bunch of the stuff that can get you back into a series if you fall behind and if you can't depend on your main players. Yeah, that's you're right about everything you're saying. I and maybe I'm giving too much benefit of the doubt to what we always see, which is oh, it's LeBron. He'll be just fine. Right. Like you know, he's going to sit in some magical chamber and all of a sudden come out <laughs> in three days and have an all new ankle. It won't even be a big deal. <laughs> Uh, but but you're absolutely right. I think part of the Brooklyn side of it is, in my mind, as, as awful as it sounds, because we all know how good the West is. They'll have the West to get ready and get the the rust mm. knocked off. And and that's that's not because I discredit how good the West is. It's just I believe that much in LeBron and AD together. Now, what I'm not curious, what I'm not sure of is what they're going to do in the meantime if they have any sort of doubt that LeBron will be back for the beginning of the playoffs. I mean, the trade deadline's only a couple of days away. The Lakers may have to be even more aggressive than we thought if they can be just to protect themselves and make sure that they're good enough to get to to buy themselves the time for LeBron to come back. Spain and Fitz there, Spain, Jason Fitz, we're doing our NBA quickies, catching up on the biggest stories from the association, and while LeBron's injury is not likely to keep him out for the postseason, 
but will keep him out for a long stretch. It does sound like LaMelo Ball will be out for the remainder of the year. The front runner, who many thought could be a unanimous pick for Rookie of the Year, now very much in doubt with this long stretch uh, of games to be missed. Rick Bonnell of the Charlotte Observer was on game night talking about whether he could still win the award. If you'd asked me that question three weeks ago, I would have said that it was conceivable that he would be that it would be unanimous that he would be on everybody's first place vote. It was yeah. it was that wide a gap. Yeah. Um, the combination of the possibility that he may not play at all this season, and the fact that clearly Anthony Edwards has really come on the last week or two, mm. it makes it dramatically more complicated. Yeah, fractured wrist for him, and I mean, Fitz. Whatever your expectations were for him, he probably went well past them, averaging almost 16 points, over six assists, almost six rebounds, uh, 45% of field goals, 37.5% of three-pointers. Just a a fantastic start for what we were always told was the best of the balls. And this is disappointing. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. The fact that he's lived up to what we anticipated, like at some point what we're going to have to do is is an entire NBA group is separate him from everything else that his last name tries to lump him in with because he's absolutely spectacular and special at this point. And Charlotte looks like, hey, maybe we put the right things in place to actually start building towards something. So, you know, this is opportunity lost for him, but also opportunity lost for a Charlotte team that's really capturing a lot of momentum and a little bit of attention right now. So hopefully, you know, they're able to figure that out as a team. Realistically, they weren't going to make a ton of noise in the playoffs, though. So in the world of tanking, although that's not where they're going to head, uh, you know, I'm not sure making squeezing themselves into the playoffs is really better than getting themselves more pieces to build around him in the future because they know they've got one megastar. I feel bad for MJ. You know, I rarely feel bad for MJ, but he finally makes a good pick yeah. and it doesn't even get to see it out for the rest of that rookie season. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. If your brackets are trashed, we've got a different bracket that's certain to grab your attention and there's no way to lose. It's all about your opinion. It's coming mm-hmm. up next. Quickies, you're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. We'll talk to Jay Billis and Monica McNutt in the next hour about the men's and women's tournament action that we've seen so far. We're brought to you by My Computer Career, training for a better life. And uh, I could have trained for a better bracket by watching more of the games (laughs) before the tournament started, but that's not really my style. I like to just get in there and freewheel it, and it's not working out great, but it's still working out better than most of Fitz's brackets, at least uh, based on cursory glances i appear to be better than him in the women's side uh not by a lot though we are very close right now in the sarah spain group or i guess this is the the spain and fitz group uh putting on the fits fiddler in the booth is sitting at an 1140 max and a 300 total in the 75 percentile uh sarah spain bracket not as exciting of a name is a 1310 max a 310 total with the 84th percentile so uh, you're hanging in there, though. And, and and for both of us, you know, I I completely second-guessed myself. I started out almost entirely chalk because that's usually how the women's side goes. And then after that first day of the men's, I got spooked, and I thought, oh, it's a weird year. Things are going to be different. Let me go ahead and mix it up a little, which was really unnecessary and not smart of me. Well, uh, look, I mean, uh, what I'm really hearing here is that you're kicking my butt on everything, by the way. 
and which is not not new to this show. <laughs> but I watched a lot of college basketball this year. Like I really I dove into college basketball this year. Like I I did a lot of work in that space, and I felt like coming in that all that did was make me question everything even more. Like I just all of a sudden I'm sitting there saying, well I don't know I, I don't know. And usually most years I'm pretty definitive. This year I didn't feel good about anything. So working in that space has not helped me at all. I don't know you know why we subject ourselves to this. Like we should just be grading other people's brackets because I can't help anybody figure mine out. <laughs> That's very true. There should be there should be absolutely no judgment. Um, I at least do feel good that I'm beating you. Um, and we've got the same winner, so that helps me on the men's side. We both have Gonzaga in that one. But I had uh, my Gonzaga other... over Illinois. And yeah, Illinois, ditto. They gone. Ditto. Like, yeah, yeah, I had Illinois in another one of my brackets just for fits and gliggles, and that's not going to end well. Um, we'll see about the women's tournament. Uh, we also, you know, last year, uh, we were not yet reunited, and it feels so good. It was Spain and company. And so my band of cohorts and I created a number of faux brackets to sort of offset the fact that we weren't getting a real tournament. And the biggest one and the most successful was our television theme songs from action adventure shows of the 80s and 90s, I believe. It was uh, it rolls right off the tongue, doesn't it? It was very specific. Nope, um, nope. But we were able to find some greats and we discovered and uncovered uh, an incredible man named Mike Post. And as it turned out, he was the composer for so many of the songs and shows that you know and love. The A-Team, NYPD Blue, uh, The Rockford Files, L.A. Law, Quantum Leap, Magnum P.I., Hill Street Blues. He did the dun-dun. Like, this guy is the legend. I know, like, any of those ones I just said, I know they popped into your head as I said them. All those. He, yeah, he did... Um, uh, what what did I just sing? Um, you know, Doogie Howser. He did that too. He d- he did all of them, and so we ended up having him on the show a couple times. And he was just like the sort of elderly man from the Holiday that Kate Winslet befriends, who's now you know older and 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 living out in L.A. and reminiscing on the good times and his friendship, um, you know, with all these stars of these shows. Um, and it was such a delight, Fitz. And I was sad that you weren't around to chat music with Mike Post. Yeah, I, I, there have been a few times when it was Spain and Company where I would see some of your guests and I'd be like, come on. Mike Post <laughs> might have been at the top of the list where I, I'm pretty sure I said a, a foul word after that one because absolute legend. And by the way, for anyone that doesn't know, when you write those TV themes, golly, you get paid. Uh-huh. So congrats to Mike Post. But I can't imagine <laughs> like every time you watch basically every show on Netflix, you're like, yeah, I wrote that. Oh, I remember where I was when I wrote that. <laughs> right. Like that's just where he is. It's, it's not fair. Well, and it was fun to talk to him about like going to the set early on when they were when they were filming pilots to get a feel for it or they would send some clips over and then he would, you know, sort of create based on some of the scenes and ideas that they sent for how the show would go. Um and that just sounds like a ton of fun, right? Just just being on on set for Magnum PI and 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 you know deciding how you want it to sound. Um, but we'll, we might get Mike Post back uh, because we had so much fun with him and see how he's doing uh, post-pandemic year. But we figured even with a real tournament this year, that doesn't mean we can't still have a special Spain and Fitz bracket uh, for you all to participate in, especially if your real ones are busted. And we decided to go with the Spain and Fitz. I should do a deep voice for this. Spain and Fitz. We should get the sexy voice guy. What are no, we yeah, doing, yeah. Fitz? What? Yeah, okay. Well. Let's. Listen, we're going to be doing this for oh, a week or two, so next time, maybe maybe next show, we'll Spirit. get the sexy voice guy to set this up for us. But this is my best. That's that close enough, yeah. 
Spain and Fitz presents Pandemic Madness. What got you through 2020? So this bracket is all the best things from the last year that helped us survive COVID. Um, it's got some bangers in the one seeds. Uh, Shit's Creek, sweatpants, Zoom parties, the last dance. I mean, that alone is a is a is going to be a fist fight. Yeah, I mean, trying to figure out, and then really, you got to be careful with this too, because some of this is a little bit further back in your mind. Like, so you can't let recency bias. We we don't want to be the committee here and suddenly overseeding somebody because they played well the week before the tournament, right? So you really got to think back to all of it. You know, it, it's it's going to take some real concentration, sir. It is, and I feel like you know, in the seeding process, which was done uh, with a staunch committee of experts that consisted of me alone. Um, the big decisions were things like, like you mentioned, Tiger King. It felt very important early on, but it acquired a whole different vibe later, and it became a thing of mockery. And I did not think it earned a number one seed after the months and months and months that followed that were not Tiger King related at all. Well, that's a a good point you just made because it, it was a little bit of a sense of controversy around here. Putting Tiger King is a five seed. And by the way, not an easy draw because uh, as people will see with the bracket, uh, suddenly Tiger King is forced to take on the D-Nice Club quarantine. And like Ooh, that was... Club that, quarantine. Club still quarantine. going. Still fire. And, and, yeah, st- and still makes you feel good. Like now when you watch Tiger King, you don't feel good about it. Like you, you, it was funny no. in the moment. Now you watch no. it, it's cringeworthy, right? Like all yeah. of that's And then we started overnight. talking pardons. And then, and then she was on Dancing with the Stars. And it all just got weird. Yeah. There were too many people saying, all oh, you little cats and kittens out there. Just We weren't into it after a while. Yeah, I mean, it, that's a tough draw for Tiger King. I'm just saying it, it's got to get out of the first round. And then if it gets out of the first round, the last dance and Bernie uh, Bernie memes going to be facing. Yeah, like, much more uh, recent. I, it, yeah, there, there's, there, there's a lot of competition out there for it. This is not going to be an easy bracket at all. I'm going to put it out on social media at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz, at Spain and Fitz. We'll do the voting via polls on Twitter. We will start with the Northwest region. Uh, we will put four of those matchups up. That includes things like alcohol versus Dua Lipa's future nostalgia, virtual <laughs> workouts versus YouTube, streaming concerts versus redecorating your house and Bleeps Creek versus Puzzles. This is going to be a tough one. Uh, We're going to start with that region. We'll do one region per day this week, and then we'll get into some more advanced rounds as we go. Hope you guys play along. Coming up, Jay Billis going to break down what he's seen from the men's tournament over the course of the first couple days. It's coming up next, Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. I mean, the tournament's called March Madness because we want madness, but come on, there's a line. Good Lord, trying to figure out what's happening in this thing every single day has been absolute chaos. It's Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline, and we're going to head straight over to the Goodyear Hotline to get some straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. We do that in the form of our good friend Jay Billis joining us there. Jay, make some sense of this. This has been shocking to to me. It's been shocking to Sarah. Both of our brackets are trash. We'll start there. How's your bracket look right now? Pretty bad in the Midwest, but that that's really the area where this has gotten you know, kind of out of control, if you will. And it was funny this morning I was, I was talking, uh, I can't remember what show I was on, but talking about how I can't remember seeing a bracket like this where you had an eight seed, well, the two seed Houston, then you got an eight seed Loyola, then you have an 11 seed uh, Syracuse and a 12 seed Oregon State. 
you know, and if you add those up, it adds up to 33, a seed line of 33 or seed total, I should say. And I'm like that, that, that could, there's no way that's ever happened before. And then I get a note from a researcher of ours that said, well, it's actually happened twice. And one of them was in your region, your senior year of college. <laughs> um, so it happened in 1986 in the East region and then 2011 in the Southwest region where, you know, you had Kansas, VCU, all that stuff. So this kind of thing has happened before. Um, it's just sort of uh, uh, we've had some unusual stuff in this one, having both a like I think what made it unusual is Oral Roberts as a 15, not only winning a game, which was just the ninth ever by a 15 seed. Not that they were going in 15s were eight and 132 since since the wow. tournament expanded in 1985. And then and then, they you know, only one team has ever won again. And that was Florida Gulf Coast. And uh, Oral Roberts won again. So that's extraordinarily unusual. And then Abilene Christian winning as a 14 seed, and then they got blown out today by UCLA. But of the, I think it's five, of the five uh, double-digit seeds that are still alive right now, like, and I'm, I'm putting Ohio, Ohio is down big right now, and they're going to lose to Creighton. Um, so of the five double-digit seeds, four of them are power five teams. You know, Oregon State, Syracuse, Maryland, and UCLA. I mean, I just don't look at power five teams that travel private. You know, that, that, those right. aren't Cinderella's. Right. The only Cinderella left is Oral Roberts, and, and everybody else is, is a, what I would say kind of a usual suspect um, in, in that they're power, you know, sort of power five teams. Creighton is going to get to the uh, Sweet 16 for the first time, but that's a Big East team. And, uh, and you know, you got Villanova as a Big East team. And I don't consider Gonzaga to be anything but uh, a blue blood program. They've, they've been flying private for a long time, too. So, um, it, you know, it's kind of normalized a little bit it, with the exception of ORU and, uh, and then the, the South with Loyola, um, you know, beating Illinois. I didn't, I didn't see that one coming, even though Loyola is really good. Yeah, Loyola felt like it was uh, misseeded, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we thought that there would be the upset of a number one. Now they have a pretty great path ahead of them. We're talking to Jay Bellis about the men's tournament first couple days. So is the Big Ten trash and got too much credit and was <laughs> were, were not well-seeded, or did they all blow it and play under their ability? The, the latter. Um, and look, it, it, this is the way it goes. They're going to get dragged, and I get it. That's fine. But I think it was just underperforming. I mean, you know, you, you, I, I have a hard time believing that – the Big Ten could dominate all the metrics like they did. So on one hand, we're going to say, well, Loyola's metrics are unbelievable. Look at all the analytics, and they were underseeded. And then we're going to take those same metrics and say, but they were all phony with the Big Ten. You know, and, and the Big Ten did win games. You know, you had Wisconsin winning and beating North Carolina. Uh, Maryland, you know, Maryland won a game and all that stuff. So, so the, the teams in the middle of the conference have performed, uh, you know, fairly well to their seed. But but to have I mean you know to have Ohio State you know get beat by Oral Roberts and Oral Roberts is good but but that shouldn't have happened and uh, same thing you know same thing with Iowa losing that badly to Oregon um, and Purdue to North Texas um, and then and then I do believe that even though sir I think you're right that Loyola was misseeded um, so so Illinois would have had to play him in the Sweet 16 so what they, they, they're right. one seed they sh- they should win that game. Mm. And and they didn't and played poorly. But I, I don't think all of a sudden Io DeSumo played poorly. 
I don't think he's a bad player because he played poorly. He had nine points. That's the only time this season he's been under, um, you know, under double figures. And the Iowa guards were awful today. They were awful. Jordan Bohannon is the all-time leading three-point shooter and the all-time leading uh, assist guy at Iowa. And he had a bad game in his last game. But that doesn't mean, like, he, he wasn't a good player all of a sudden. And same thing with, with like, all of a sudden now that they, they weren't a good team. You know, they weren't good teams or they weren't uh, – it wasn't a good league. I don't buy that. They just underperformed. We're talking to Jay Billis on Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. So, Jay, with all this chaos, what team has helped out the most by the amount of teams that are now gone? Uh, Gonzaga's helped a little bit. Uh, so, they, you know, their road was pretty good going forward. But, um, you know, having kind of the COVID problems by some of the other top seeds in their region with Kansas and Virginia, uh, I still think their toughest game is going to be against whoever comes out of, of sort of Oregon, USC. Uh, I think USC is going to beat Kansas. If they don't, I think Oregon will. Um, so, but the, it, like I see USC and Oregon as the, the two biggest threats, and then and then the, the Midwest is is for anybody to take. Um, you know, Houston is I think is the best team, but they don't shoot it great. They just offensive rebound and defend like nobody's business, and they're going against a Syracuse team that's playing really well. But but if you, I wouldn't have given you a nickel in January for Syracuse's chances to make the tournament, let alone win games in it. And they're playing. They're playing by far their best. Uh, and uh, and Oregon State, you know, similar. They're playing really well. I don't think they're as good as they're showing. But if they keep doing this, you know, who knows? But I think oddly enough, I think Loyola is going to wind up coming out of there with the way they defend, uh, because they defend the way I think most teams should. And that is, don't overhelp and stop coming off three-point shooters to, to have two guys try to make a two-point shot difficult. One guy can make it difficult, and they do a really good job of staying with three-point shooters and limiting their opponent to difficult twos over people. Jay Billis with us here on Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. You led me right into my next question talking about Syracuse and Noyla. There's certainly something to be said about the teams that have a different or unexpected scheme and how teams have a short amount of time to prep for it. Does that sort of go away the longer we're into the tournament, or is it still something where even though you know Syracuse has been doing this zone forever, it's really tough to practice with because you don't have the bodies that work the same way their roster does? Or even though you know Cameron Crutwig can't be ignored the way Illinois did, um, it's still hard to replicate that and be ready. Or does that kind of go away when they have longer to watch? Well, that's a good question. I mean, it was Syracuse. I mean, I remember Rick Pitino telling me years ago with regard to zone that, that, you know, he, he, he played and plays a lot of, a lot of zone that, that, you know, goes to hybrid and, and goes to man and all that. It's, it's a little bit difficult for people to figure out. And his, his philosophy or thinking behind it was, you know, why would I play against my opponent's best offense when I can, I can play against their, their second best offense, you know, usually, uh, people's zone offense is not their best offense. They don't practice it as much, and that's Beheim's Jim Beheim's thought is is you know he uh, you spend all this time preparing for him, and he doesn't have to guard all your main stuff. Like if he play, he used to make the the comparison of Michigan State. He said, "I'm playing Michigan State. They got 60 different plays." He said, "I don't have to do any of that when I'm playing zone. They can only do five or six things against the zone. Wow. Yeah. We see it all. We see it all the time." So we know how to defend it. Mm. Um, that doesn't mean Syracuse is going to win all the time because they don't. 
And, uh, and, you know, it's not a Rubik's cube or anything. Teams can figure it out, but, but it is, it does get teams to stand around a little bit. They wind up shooting a lot more three Syracuse is always at the top of the league, uh, whether the big East days or ACC in three point field goal defense, because they force teams into a lot of threes that they don't normally take. And so it, it is difficult to play against, but the results aren't that, that somehow, you know, Syracuse wins the title every year, goes to the Final Four all the time. Um, they don't. So, yeah, you know, it can't be solved. And same thing with, uh, with Loyola. Like, Loyola's defense is really, really good. But it's not like they're, they're unbeatable because of it. Jay, we appreciate the time, the expertise. Thanks for getting us caught up on everything we need to know, my friend. Thank you, guys. That's some straight talk, straight talk wireless. No contracts, no compromise from Jay Billis, Spain and Fitz. Coming up, how will LeBron's injury impact the Western Conference playoff picture? An expert weighs in next on ESPN Radio. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Presented by Progressive Insurance. In fact, ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive's Home Quote Explorer, changing the way you buy home insurance now. You can go online, get a custom quote, save both time and money, learn more at Progressive.com. We were talking earlier about, uh, and we'll get you caught up, by the way, throughout the course of the night on the NCAA tournament. Uh, Any uh, big upsets as they come down, we'll make sure that you are kept aware of them. You should know Creighton has gone final with a win over Ohio. And right now, Michigan is up by one over LSU. 43-42 at the half, and it looks like Florida State, Colorado early on in that. We'll keep you updated on that. But in the meantime, the big story in the NBA is the injury of LeBron James, who suffers a high ankle sprain that looks like it's going to keep him out for a significant amount of time. And the question, Sarah, becomes – what you know? What do the Lakers do here? We talked about it earlier, and you know maybe I just believe too much in the cyborg uh, attributes of LeBron and his ability to just go in and recreate an ankle. It just seems like he always works these things out. But there are impacts to this for the the Lakers when they try and figure out what they need to do over the course of the next few days. And I, I could also make the argument that, frankly, the entire Western Conference might be looking at this saying, does it affect our strategy? If you were in the West, sir, you changing things up because you know that LeBron is now injured? It's tough because there is the reality that he likely will be out for the duration of time that's expected for a high ankle sprain of the type that he has. But then again, it's LeBron, right? So what are the chances that he actually requires the full time of treatment and recovery? Not great. He's going to he's going to go into his hyperbaric chamber and come back out early. But also worth keeping in mind is what's going on with those other teams in the West that are contenders. One of them of course being the Jazz. We don't give them a ton of talk or respect because you know, as Stugatz would say, do it in the postseason, but they are having their struggles of their own. They started out 24 and 5. They're 6 and 6 since and 21st in defensive efficiency during that span. They were dominating because not only their three-point shooting, but they also defended the three better than anyone else. If they are resting on their laurels because of a hot start and getting loose to the point where they aren't, you know, showing up, understanding that they still have to prove something beyond just a nice regular season record, that could be a bigger deal than whether or not they need to change strategies based on LeBron. I don't think anyone is really going to do anything different because LeBron and Anthony Davis might be gone during the regular season, all the decisions they'd be making are about the postseason anyway. Well, you're so right. And it really becomes how comfortable are you with the roster you have knowing what maximizes the best of your team. I think sometimes we put a little bit too much stock into everybody thinking about other teams. Now, that being said, 
Brian Winhorse, ESPN senior NBA writer, was on GetUp, and he talked about the specific impact that this will have on the playoff picture in the West. The Utah Jazz have got to be slapping their heads because they're in the number one seed position. But if the Lakers fall back here, and by the way, they're all, they're a bad week from being out of the top six. And that's not anything about them. They're second right now, but they're four games from being seventh. And if they fall that far back, they would have to be in the play-in tournament, which means they would not possibly play the number one or number two seed in the first round. Not to mention those teams in the in the play-in zone face maybe the Lakers backing up to them with LeBron James and Anthony Davis roaring through there. So all of a sudden, you've got teams in the top hoping that the Lakers avoid the play-in tournament. You've got teams in the middle saying, can we pass the Lakers to get in? And now the sixth seed, potentially you avoid the Lakers and potentially avoid the top seeds in the in the West. So the sixth seed becomes the most important thing. Oh, my gosh. I just... The way he said that, and, and it should have occurred to me, of course, that I'm looking at everything through the lens of the Lakers, when in fact, you do look at the other team, and they're now thinking, if the Lakers drop too far in the regular season, I don't want to take them on in the first round. Like, to your point, like, it's less about the personnel that they have and more about, do we need to start moving around our wins and losses intentionally so that we avoid the buzzsaw that is a healthy Lakers squad coming back for the postseason? I mean that's uh, you know it's alarming to think it but you're you're right like right now as the as the standings are in this moment and this is is almost laughable to me the Lakers are the 3 seed the Clippers are the 4 in theory if the Lakers actually fell to the 6 they'd take on the 3 which could be the Clippers imagine if we get Lakers Clippers first round mm. of the Western mm. Conference like that's not mm. what anybody wants right that's, that's supposed to be the big payoff at the end of all this but it, it, that's part of the reason why Sarah I just don't have a ton of concern through all of this because when the Lakers, presuming the Lakers get healthy, look, this this goes one of two ways. The Lakers don't get LeBron back at 100% or have health issues, and they're done either way. Or the Lakers get LeBron back, and they're going to be just fine either way. There's not a lot of gray area to me. Well, I just used Google to look at how many days there are until the playoffs start on March 22nd, and it's 61 days. So, you know, that's... That's time for LeBron to go the full recovery and still work his way back in. But as confident as you are that you're only worried about their opponents and not them, there is a little part of me that says for a team that has some pretty big holes in it, if either LeBron or Anthony Davis is not quite there, even Marc Gasol trying to get his win back after missing a couple of weeks, you get any of those pieces not really 100%. You're depending on a lot of things that have not been great all season long to carry you through. So if they do end up facing a tough top squad in the West early on, it might not be as easy as you think. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, like there is an element here of if you have banked on two stars and you don't really care about depth, you just need that depth to be good enough, right? Mm -hmm. If, If you have an issue with either of those two stars, then you are absolutely putting yourself in a strange situation. Now, it's already going to be, uh, this impacts the Lakers, obviously, but it's going to be a confusing trade deadline, I think, across the NBA because you got to figure out sort of what's going to work in this COVID-19 world. I still think that that's a factor. Like last year, we talked about it going into the bubble. I don't think that's drastically changed. I mean, teams have to understand that, you know, this is a different season. What are they playing for and how are they playing for it? So I'm not sure that we're going to see super aggressive trade deadline stuff just because there are so there's so much uncertainty in the world right now. I don't know how that affects a team running a team. You know, we talked about this last year as we were preparing for 
um, the offseason, the very short offseason. It's Spain and Fitz, by the way. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, you brought up the idea of how much can you actually look at what happened in the bubble and consider that real and true and carrying over to the next year. And we did not see the hesitation from the teams that we maybe thought, it, it, to be fair, right? We didn't see a lot of teams look like they were hesitating to make dr- dramatic moves and sign people and spend money, even though we knew the cap was going to go down, even though we knew um, that, you know, a lot of weird things happened in the bubble that weren't really replicable. So I think it's going to be the same this time. I think people are going to go all in, regardless of whether things feel a little bit off. Well, one of the players that definitely wants to be traded, it should be noted, is Aaron Gordon of the Magic, is uh, let it be known that he would like to be traded, and Boston is certainly trying to get that done. It's going to be down to the wire, and it'll be interesting to see how everybody approaches whatever the impact of LeBron's injury is on how they're structuring their own playoff runs, how they're structuring their own roster, and if the the Lakers, frankly, look in the mirror and decide that they need to be more aggressive. I'm not sure they have a ton of opportunity to be more aggressive, but we'll see how they uh, actually play moving forward. All right, so we'll obviously have all eyes on LeBron's ankle, as weird as that is to say. But in the meantime, the women's tournament slightly off the rails. Much different story on the women's side. We'll dive into that next on ESPN Radio. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz Podcast. Them beating Fitz in the women's tournament bracket, um, not by a lot, but I'm sure, you know, it will continue to grow, just like most of my victories over Fitz. It's Spain and Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. We got a good update from Jay Billis on what's going on on the men's side. So let's bring in college basketball analyst and around the horn stud, Monica McNutt, to talk about the women's side. Monica, thanks for the time. Spain, my girl. Pleasure to have, um, well, to join you guys. What's up, Fitz? Yeah, What's pleasure up? to have you as well. I've been loving you and Kelsey Riggs uh, on the uh, on the uh, games. It's been a really fun watch so far. Um, we're on air right now, so I, we might have just missed it. But do we have a do we have a legitimate beef with some officiating in a game that just went down? Listen, Spain. I fired off a text ASAP, and I was actually watching the finish of that game on my phone. And not only did she respond, one of the official leaders in one of our Power Five conferences, who's terrific, she also threw in some laws, literal rules into our text conversation. And I think the officials got it right, although many of us were like, how did you miss the over and back there? Technically, um, I think it was Jordan Nixon, but the Texas A&M player did not have control of the ball before she went into the backcourt. And I do know on an inbounds, like you can throw into the backcourt and there's no backcourt. And so same instance there. She didn't have control of it. She's like, she hit it, but it was like, not controlled, basically. Um, so there's a exception there. So I okay, think the so official no actually got it right. Beef for Troy, yeah, Texas no legitimate A&M beef. No. Gets the win. I mean, Monica, no, like, yeah. give us a little peek here into the the life of Monica. Like, how often do you like just text a bigwig <laughs> to get a call on a, on a game and, and get some insight? I mean, it probably happens about as often as I've been invited on Spain and Fitch. You know what I'm saying? As my star is ascending, I'm getting a little, you know what I'm saying, a little bit more play. Uh, <laughs> well, just just yeah. the once then. <laughs> <laughs> so, but many times in the future. <laughs> we have, uh, there you go. We, there you go. We've been talking, obviously, about the women's tournament a little bit here, and uh, it's want to usually go chalk, and that hasn't been the case today. So uh, let's. Uh, I'm going to give a little homerism here. How big of a deal is it for Belmont to pull off an upset over Gonzaga? Dude, like, okay, so by speed, that was an upset. But immediately when I saw that game, um, I was like, ooh, like, ooh. 
Those are two teams that play very similar. Gonzaga had a thrilling victory um, out in their conference, the WCC. And then Belmont is one of those, like, mid-major staple programs. Like, they're in the category with, like, Marist. Um, I think Wright State might be jumping into that category after their big win today. Um, there are some mid-major teams that, just like on the men's side, they always have good ball players, good coaching. And so you knew, and I mean this lovingly, that in the Gonzaga-Belmont game, those girls are going to execute, backdoor cut, screen. They're just going to execute you to death. And that's exactly what happened. And it was a tremendous basketball game. In Spain and Fitz, we're talking to Monica Nutt, ESPN college basketball analyst. You can see her on a lot of the coverage of these games, which I've loved to be able to see across ESPN. You, ESPN, ESPN2, ABC, all the good stuff. Uh, tons of these games have been really fun to watch. And we did get mostly chalk in the first day, but there were some tight, close battles where things almost went awry for the top seeds. And then today we finally get some of those upsets. Are any of these teams that we see now, the BYUs, the right states, are these teams that you actually think can go deeper beyond this upset? Um, so I got to put my bracket right in front of me, but I will say off the top, I was really impressed with what Wright State did for our, against Arkansas. Now, I think the wrinkle there is that was almost a nightmare matchup for Mike Neighbors and his group in terms of Arkansas. Like, Wright State was willing to defend 5-on-5. Five five. They had guards that were just as quick as Arkansas's guards, both offensively and defensively, and they out-rebounded the hell out of the basketball. I think they finished plus 14 on the glass in that ball game, which is like the Achilles heel to Arkansas. Now, also, I will admit that Arkansas wasn't hitting shots that they normally hit, but I'm going to give that credit again to the defense as opposed to the Razorbacks just getting cold. So I'm curious to see um, whether Wright State's speed can continue to kill. And then their coach, Coach Katrina, was Horizon League Coach of the Year. So, like, she's on all the big-time watch lists as Power 5 openings come about. So Wright State is the one I'm most curious about. But I will say Paisley Harding from BYU, like, that team, you know you hear Team of Destiny? They just seem to be like, listen, here we are. We're going to make the absolute most out of this entire moment. I loved her press game poster where she talked about they knew how unique this COVID year was going to be. And then she said straight up, which I respect. In Spain, I know you can respect this. She was guarding Arella Garantes for Rutgers, who was probably going to be a lottery pick in the WNBA. She was like, man, 24 is so good. She hit so many buckets right in my face. Mm. Like, it's an honor <laughs> to just play against her. So, like, she had really great perspective on the gravitas of the moment. But I think between those two and the big-time upsets, Right state, if they can continue to be speedy. But BYU, again, they have decent size, and they're another team. Execute you to death, and they're going to stick to their scouting report defensively. I thought they did that really well against Rutgers today. We're talking to Monica McNutt, ESPN College Basketball Analyst. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We've gone this far into the tournament talk on the women's side, and we haven't said the words Paige Beckers, which is really phenomenal. Uh, but let, let's give her a little bit of love. I mean, obviously, she's been huge. So I'm going to ask you two questions here. Number one, how do you okay. stop her? And number two, who can? All right. So how? You have to do your work early, which is a basketball phrase that we all love to toss around, but it's a lot harder than it sounds. You, like, can't let her get the ball. And she's the point guard, so it's pretty difficult. Somebody has the whole, like, one-on-one assignment just flat-out deny, and I'm sure that she's just going to run off screens and get open. Um, But I think, Fitz, for me, that's what I love about Paige's game. You look at the numbers, you look at the stats, it all makes sense that she's in the player of the year category. But at the same time, you could literally be watching a game and you wouldn't realize how deadly she's been until you pick up the box score because her game is so cerebral and she just thinks basketball and it comes to her so easily and fluidly. Um, Now, I will say you got to keep her from going right because when she gets into that one and two dribble pull up going right, like she could just throw it any way she wants to. It's going to find the bottom of the net. So I think if you keep her off of her right hand, 
You got to be physical with her. Like, that's your best bet in terms of disrupting her flow. Um, who can stop her? Now, this next matchup for them is actually really interesting. Syracuse has slain a giant or two. I want to say in 2016 they knocked off Tennessee on their run to the Final Four. Don't quote me on that. Um, but Coach Quentin Hillsman, Tiana Monacaya, Emily Inkler, they have a 6'7 freshman and Camilla Cardoso. It would be a tall task, and Syracuse would need to play out of their minds to knock off UConn. But, I mean, this is why we play the games. Like, this is why we play the games. I think if Syracuse makes a concerted effort to get the ball inside to Cardoso, they're 2-3, and three, Inksler, Digna, Stratmanet, those guys are hitting outside shots, um, and they're willing to be physical with UConn. It could get interesting. I'm not going to rule it out. It could get interesting. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz on ESPN Radio, talking to ESPN College basketball analyst Monica McNutt about the women's tournament so far. I, I won't call it March Madness because they're not allowed to use that, oh, according God. Oh, to God. the NCAA. I want to ask about the top seeds because in the women's tournament, it is very rare for it not to get pretty chalky early and late. So you see some mm-hmm. of the opening rounds from NC State, solid win, South Carolina, solid win. But Stanford and UConn were the beatdowns, right? Doubling up the teams they were playing. Does that mean anything to you, or is it too hard to tell when there's that big of a difference, uh, whether they're going full bore or shutting it down early? Does that mean anything to you? Um, it means a little bit to me, because I, I was like you, Spain, when I saw NC State, they weren't quite t- tied at the half, but they were tied at one point in the second quarter of that ball game. I was like, uh, okay. I mean, I know y'all are the new kids on the block in terms of one seeds. Like, have we given you so many props? What's going on here? But then they, you know, they had to warm up and they got it going. Um, same thing with South Carolina. I mean, that Mercer squad, again, we talk about mid-majors with great coaching coaches. Like, they had a great game plan, and then once South Carolina turned it on, they were locked and loaded, too. What I will say about Stanford and UConn, Um, I think they have a little bit of a deeper pedigree. And UConn in particular, when Paige says that she planned to come to UConn to bring four titles back in her time there, (laughs) I think we've seen this year that she don't just throw stuff around, and she meant that. Um, and so I think she that probably maybe knew AZ Fun was coming too. She's gonna get some help. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, she's going like I mean they're gonna be fantastic. So I, I think that there was a different level of focus there for those two teams. But I'm not particularly alarmed about the other two that got off to a little bit of a slower start. Monica, awesome stuff. Really, really, truly. Uh, you and Kelsey Riggs were so great together. I've been really enjoying it. I forget the other woman because I haven't worked. Andrea with her. Carter, she's great. So sorry, Andrea. Maybe you should host the show or be on around the horn, and then I'll remember your name. <laughs> That's how I operate. Must be in my universe. Otherwise, it's not worth my time. Monica, you're the best. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Monica. Thanks, guys. Brought to you by Goodyear. Celebrating March deal days with month-long service and savings. Visit GoodyearAutoService.com for offers. Coming up, UCLA on to the Sweet 16 in the men's tournament. Their head coach joins us next on ESPN Radio. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz Podcast. Final couple tick off. That'll do it. And UCLA, who got into the dance... By the skin of their teeth, after losing four straight, has now won three games in six days to march on to the program's 21st Sweet 16 appearance. The 11th-seeded Bruins topple the 14th-seed Abilene Christian 67-47 as the clock strikes midnight on one of the tournament's remaining Cinderella's. Joining us now to talk about the big win and the Sweet 16 berth, it's UCLA head coach Mick Cronin here on Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Mick, thanks for the time. Hello, Sarah. How are you? 
Well, I'm good. We heard that highlight from Westwood One NCAA Radio Network, and it is kind of unfair. You're an 11 seed. This is exciting, but you bumped to 14, which feels like more of the Cinderella. So are you getting enough credit for this run? Uh, we just maybe played them in reverse. Yeah, That's what a guy told me today. You know? There you go. Um, go ahead and have to fly across the country and then bust to Purdue, practice at 9 o'clock at night, get home at 1 in the morning, go back the next day, hour and a half bus ride and play Michigan State in the Big Ten Arena, uh, you know, an hour and a half from Lansing, Michigan, um, you know, against Tom Izzo. So, uh, you know, when they were sitting in Indianapolis and didn't have to travel. So I would say this, Sarah, that I felt if we could get through the first game that we were more than capable of, of making a run in this tournament. But uh, obviously, you know, we, we were done no favors. And neither was Michigan State, to be honest with you. I mean, neither one of us should have been in the play-in game. But I think uh, what we've all found out is the seating wasn't quite on point this year. But um, you know what? You, you, you don't ever want to change your journey because it makes you who you are. Uh, as a team, it makes you who you are in life. So uh, we're just happy with uh, where we're at. Well, Coach, that means you just played your third game in five days. How's your team doing right now physically and emotionally with all of this roller coaster? Well, a couple things. Let's be honest. They're really tired. So, um, you know, the coach is tired. The players are tired. uh, But uh, we got all summer to rest. So uh, the the second thing is (laughs) we're uh, – I told them we got to win, so with the NCAA let us out of this hotel tomorrow. We got we got to see the sun. We got to breathe some fresh air. You know, playing in the you know having to play in the Thursday game. Uh, you know, we 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 had a long trip to get here, and we've been on lockdown for a week. So uh, you know, I never really said you know I'm not one for taking walks in the park, but boy, I'd like to have a walk in. I mean, never. I mean, first time in my life I'm sitting there saying, boy, can I just take a walk in the park just to get outside this hotel? Listen, Coach, you're not alone. Long Walks is a number two seed in our pandemic madness what got you through 2020 bracket. Uh, Long Walks have kept us all alive for the last year or so, so I'm not surprised you're ready to get out there. Mick Cronin, UCLA head coach with us here on Spain and Fitz. Pac-12 doing quite a fine job in the tournament. You mentioned that the seeding might not be quite right this year. Obviously a very difficult year to try to gauge teams against each other. Any any, uh, guesses as to why the Pac-12 is thriving? Oh, really good teams. I would say, you know, Sarah, in fairness to us, I didn't see my team for six months, literally, uh, other than a Zoom call. So a lot of us in the Pac-12 went through that. So how do you – you can't imagine how much that affects your development, uh, your togetherness, your physical development, your basketball X and O development. So uh, then then, then the season finally does start, okay? We were told we weren't going to play until January. Our kids went through that. Then we're then we're going to play. Uh, then all the multi-team events got canceled for us to get games. <clears throat> we had to go play Ohio State in Ohio. Ten or Colorado had to get a game. They had to go play at Tennessee. USC's playing UConn in Mohegan Sun, which is in Connecticut. Uh, Oregon has to go to the Midwest to play Missouri. So you know nobody came out west to play except Marquette, and we beat them. So that that hurt us in the in the early season. So it was a multitude of things that, that, that confused the country uh, as to, to the quality of our league. And then you want to throw on the fact that, uh, you know, our games are on late at night. I don't know how many people are actually watching uh, the games at, at times. So, uh, uh, and then I'll, I'll add to this, you know, I'm not a big fan of, of the changes that went on with the metrics, you know, the net 
the Ken Palm, you know, that, that stuff is, I could sit here with you on a different call. We have time. And I, I could show you where it's way, way, way off, mm. um, way off base. And, and thank God for like for, for football, if they'd have used metrics, uh, you'd ha- you wouldn't have the four teams. They, for football, they have a, I don't know, I'm going to guess, 10 people in a room to pick four teams for a playoff. You know, we have 10 people in a room to pick 68, and we're using metrics. Uh, I think it's a terrible way to go about it. Um, that's my opinion on it. And, and I think they're using the metrics on the seating. And that I think they're really going to have to look hard at that. Coach, I might be the one geek in the world that loves all this metrics talk, so we'll take you up on mm-hmm, that someday. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned not seeing your team for six months. You're only in year two with the program. How did that impact really the culture you're creating with this team? Yeah, well, we went on a great run last year. We won 11 of our last 14, seven of our last eight. We lost the Pac-12 on a buzzer shot on the last day of the year, and then the season got canceled, postseason got canceled. So, um, you know, we had a great first year as far as uh, building our program. And then, you know, we had to literally start over after six months off. Uh, so it's been a great run for us. Uh, we had to reinvent ourselves. And this is where, I, you know, uh, Jason, I'll take you up on your metrics. Your metrics don't throw – they're not throwing in the fact that we lost Chris Smith, then we lost Jalen Hill January, then f- first around, February 1st around. And then you got to reinvent yourself as a team. Uh, Oregon had multiple issues. They didn't have Will Richardson for until late January. Great player. Uh, they were without Figueroa in the Missouri game. So the problem with all that stuff is it's not factoring in whether who you and you might have been missing players. Your opponent could have been missing players. So that, that, that's why it's it's just not apples to apples. So, uh, but we, we've we've had to reinvent ourselves and and grow as the season has gone on. Johnny Juzang, big part of our team, he wasn't with us last year. So it's just been a growth uh, spurt for us here, and uh, we're on a nice little run. Hopefully, we can keep it going. Certainly frustrating for those who have to go up against tough competition, maybe because the seating wasn't great, but exciting for those of us watching, including your run, Coach. Thanks so much for the time, and congrats. Thanks, Coach. Hey, thank, thanks you, hey, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. And uh, I'm going to guess number one uh, time passer, Sarah, in the pandemic, might have had yes. something that ended, ended up in the recycling bin. There were bottles. <laughs> uh- yeah, that was the number two seed. I, I put alcohol at number two to respect those who don't need it and depend on it to get by. But certainly plenty of people gotcha. have argued with that. And uh, we're getting ripped for that on social. Let's ripping just, us for just uh, perhaps engaging too much with edibles to remember to put them on. So uh, that's a that's a problem uh, as well. Yeah, but uh, it's going to make a run. Walks, <laughs> yeah, hey, Sarah, when I took those long walks, Sarah. Yeah, I took those long walks. I noticed those bottles in, yeah. in the recycling bin. I bet. I bet. <laughs> Uh, when you take a All stroll, right, sometimes you bring something me. with you. Thanks, Coach. Appreciate Thanks, it. Coach. <laughs> uh, Mick Cronin of UCLA with us here on Spain and Fitz. They're headed to the Sweet 16. Like I said, so funny when a number 11 is the one that's upsetting the deep, dark, low seed that's trying to make a run. Uh, pretty impressive for them. Speaking of the bracket, um, if you guys are on Twitter, at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz, at Spain and Fitz, some of the reactions to the announcement of our pandemic madness bracket are quite good. At Lala Jackson, I decided to play this out on my own to see what would win my own personal bracket, and I'm now stuck with alcohol and therapy at multiple overtimes tie in the final four. Help. <laughs> which is great. <laughs> um, Jamel Hill said, I got sweatpants winning it all, but my sleeper pick is fifth-seated uh Pantsless and brawless, <laughs> which is in there. How did screaming into the void not make it into the tournament? 
uh, is somebody else's comment. Uh, Ted Lasso versus versus battles in the second round is a little too much like Loyola versus Illinois. A good matchup way too early. A lot of people got sweatpants and pantsless staring each other down like the Diddy meme for the title. Uh, sweatpants and 20 coming in like Gonzaga this year, but I'm taking versus battles who should have been a top four seed. Uh, so we're getting a lot of uh, a lot of folks also, like you mentioned, afternoon naps and doom scrolling have been left out. Making sourdough bread didn't make the cut. And edibles. I, I really, truly don't know how we well, forgot ed- that. Edibles are a mid-major here, Sarah. They won their conference during the regular season, but they just didn't come through in the conference tournament. Now, suddenly, they got bypassed. You know, we, we got to remember, yeah. they're not legal everywhere, so that, that limits some of it. That's true. A traditional committee, too, sometimes overlooks those emerging teams that are that are newer, and uh, they go for the some of the The teams that bloods. I support very, that's all I'll say. The teams yeah. that I support a lot. Yeah, I do think, you know, sometimes you let things like puzzles that have been in the mix for way too long get in the way of you seeing the real talent that's out there and fresh. And I apologize for that. Uh, That is my fault. Thanks for listening to Spain and Fitz. Go vote on the bracket. We'll be back on Wednesday. Freddie and Fitzsimmons coming up next. Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.